Well, it's good to be back with you tonight, and uh, I suppose you're all ready for Thanksgiving, right? Getting ready for that? You got hearts filled with Thanksgiving and praise, and you're ready for it? Uh, we're getting ready. Uh, we're, uh, we're looking forward to this. Tomorrow, um, my oldest son flies in from Florida with his family, and then on Tomorrow evening or Tuesday, my youngest son comes with his family, and then we're all going to be there together. There's going to be about 24 of us in the house, and uh, so uh, somebody said, how long are they staying? Long enough. Now, <laughs> they're going to come in on Monday, and they'll be leaving on Friday. So uh, we'll have, we haven't seen um, Josh and his family for um, almost two years. So we're so glad they're coming and we're, we're excited about it. We're looking forward to it. I hope that you are. You know, some people do not look forward to family activities like Thanksgiving and Christmas because there's some kind of blow up that takes place. And I see some of your heads shaking, you know, you, you just say, oh, I just dread getting with the family. Shouldn't be that way, folks. It should be a wonderful time of, of joy and excitement, and we ought to look forward to it because of all that God's done for us. Now, tonight, you've seen, you see the, the handout, and you'll notice it says, uh, seven habits of, a purposeful, of purposeful living. Now, uh, we're going to get into this um, and, and look at it, but I want you to open your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. How's God been at work in your life? You know, it's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And you should be tracing God at work in your life every day. He's at work. He's always working. And we ought to be thankful for what He's doing and aware of what He's doing and rejoicing about it. But... Uh, I was, I've, I've been preaching now for 48 years and constantly looking to see what God has for me because the, the life of the Christian is always a life of growth. If you're living for God, you're growing. He's doing something in your life. He wants to change you. Uh, there's not any of you that are, and, and not any of us, let me put it that way. There's not any of us that have reached perfection yet. We're not there. We've been declared complete and perfect in Christ Jesus. But we're still in the sanctification process. We're still putting off and putting on and still learning how to live the life so that it pleases God. And, uh, you know, thinking about Christmas coming, my wife, um, she's a hard one to buy for. And uh, my son, um, I sent him a text and asked him what, what we could uh, get for some of our children, we, our grandchildren, what they might like and that kind of thing. And so he, he sends back a text and he says, what about mom? What would she like? And I didn't answer him. I didn't answer him right away. I didn't know what, what to tell him. My wife is just a hard person to buy for. So then I just kind of floated a question by her. And I said, so, uh, Suzanne, uh, what would you like to have for Christmas? And she says, well, nothing. And she kept thinking about it. She says, I would just like to have peace. 
So I sent that back to my son. I said, you know, she gave us a very spiritual answer. She said she wanted to have peace. And my son texts back and he says, yeah, world peace. We would all like world peace. Well, my wife wasn't talking about world peace. Uh, she was talking about a different kind of peace. You know, um, in this passage in Philippians, it talks about peace. And I want you to pick this up with me. Now, I'm not going to read the first three verses, but that's talking about peace between believers. They needed to get a problem solved. And he's, he, he's telling them to get this problem solved. Can you imagine two ladies in church having problems with each other? That's what he's talking about. He said, that needs to be solved. But notice now what he says, beginning with verse 4. Follow along, Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Notice in verse 7, in verse 7 he says that the peace of God, he talks about the peace of God, but then in verse 9 he talks about the God of peace. And we need both of those, don't we? We need the peace of God, but we need to know that the God of peace is with us. And you know, I, I was thinking about that. Uh, peace, what, what kind of peace do we seek? Well, peace is a state of mental tranquility, according to the dictionary. Safety in mind and body. Here's what Job said in Job 22, verse 21. Acquaint now thyself with him... And be at peace, thereby good shall come unto thee. We're really safe when we know that God's in control and when we're resting in his care. How are you doing tonight? Do you know that God's in control? And are you resting in his care? You know, then, then you ought to be at peace. But, but there's another aspect here. And, and you stop and think about this, and this is just uh, kind of getting you to think a little bit with me about uh, what, what we're going to talk about, these seven habits, but I want you to just realize that there are overwhelming, overwhelming benefits if you establish these seven habits. And, you know, you want the God of peace to rule. Now, I don't know about you, but I want him to be in my life, and then I want him to rule in my life. And, you know, what does that, what does that mean? When God's in control, when he's ruling, it means that he is making the right decisions about what's going on in your life. Have you ever felt like God made a mistake? 
Have you ever thought, well, what is God doing? I don't understand it. Uh, you, want, you want that peace to be an umpire. You want that, that peace to rule in your heart. Notice it says, and the peace of God which passeth understanding, verse 7, shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. You want to be kept. And what that means is he's going to take control. That peace is going to be ruling in your life. And settling disputes, taking care of them, warning us about wrongs. Don't go there. That's not a way place you want to go. Don't think that. That's not what you need to be thinking. He begins to rule so that we have peace in our life. Now, that being said, John chapter 14, verse 27 says this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Who was talking? Jesus. He said, don't, don't be afraid. I give you peace. And difficulty the difficulty is to be at peace. We can't do it. We have to take it from him. You cannot make peace. You cannot be at peace. You have to receive it from God. You have to let God give it to you. The peace of God that passeth all understanding. You stop and think about it. You know, he says in Isaiah 26, 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. How is it finished? Oh, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. That peace comes because you trust in the Lord. Psalm 16, verses 8 through 10, it says, I have set the Lord. Talking about what God said. I have set the Lord. He set the Lord. He says, therefore, my heart is glad. Now, I'm, I'm just taking some phrases out of this. Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. If you're living in the presence of God, what do you have? You have all the potential for peace that you need. You don't have to be upset. You don't. Now, don't raise your hand, but have any of you watched the news and got upset? One day, my wife was like, did you say something? I said, no, I'm yelling at the TV. <laughs> They're not hearing me, but I'm, I just think they need, they need a piece of my mind, you know? It, it helps me to let it off. Does it really? You know who I need to be talking to about it? I need to be talking to God about it. God will make a difference. Now, with all of those things in mind, I want us to think about this. And, and I said, God gave this to me. I, I've been meditating and thinking on Philippians for years. And uh, I was spending some time in Philippians. And he just made these seven principles. I call them habits. And... I've decided that I want them to be habitual in my life. Now, what is a habit? It's a reoccurrent, often unconscious pattern of behavior that is acquired through frequent repetition. Do you have any habits? Everybody here has habits. 
We all have habits. And there are good habits and there are bad habits. Now, we hear about the bad habits most of the time, but you know, it's a good habit. I have a habit of getting up in the morning and getting my Bible and spending time with God. It is a habit. It's something that I'm going to do, that I want to do, that I look forward to do. And it's an established disposition. You know, a habit is an established disposition, disposition of the mind that produces character. You can have a bad habit and be a bad character. You can have a good habit and be of good character. And you stop and think about, what are the habits in my life? Uh, sometimes habits are so involved that they're almost involuntary. Um, we, we used to have our children in Lima Christian Academy. And so every weekday morning, we would take them to school. And you know, you just got so used to taking them to school. Uh, when they no longer had to go to school, I would find myself driving to the school why? It was habit. It was just a habit. And you stopped. And you, I'm not thinking. I'm just doing this. And look, listen, folks, we need to seriously develop the kind of on-purpose living that is habitual in this area. And so I want to, I want to share them with you and make you put them in a kind of a, a memorable form, a form that is easy to remember, that will be helpful to you. And the first one is pray always. Your first blank is pray. Pray always. You know, excuse me, praise, not pray, praise. Praise always. Pray comes later. Praise always. What does verse 4 say? Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And again I say rejoice. Is it your habit to rejoice in the Lord? Do you rejoice in the Lord when you get up in the morning? Do you rejoice in the Lord as you go through the day? How often do you rejoice in the Lord? You know, he says rejoice in the Lord when? Always. So you ought to be praising God always. Do you have anything to praise God for? If you do, say amen. You know, I'm, I'm so used to the congregation talking back to me. So if I, if I go like that, give me an answer, all right? But, you know, I just think we, we ought to be praising God. And this is Thanksgiving season, so I thought, what a, what a great time to remind you of these things. What do you have to be praising God for? What do you have to be thankful for? And you need to praise the Lord. It needs to be something that is habitual. Every day, praise God. Every day, rejoice in the Lord. You know, there are a lot of little things that we should rejoice about. You have a house that you live in? You have food on the table? Do you have people that love you? Do you have people that you can love? You stop and think about it. There's so many things that we should rejoice in the Lord. The fact that he gives us everlasting life, the fact that we have his word to read, 
There's so many things we can rejoice in the Lord about. But you, you stop and think about this. You need to rejoice always and praise always. So the first blank was praise always. The next one is practice benevolence. Now, you'll notice that the verse says, let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Now, that word moderation has been defined in many different ways. And the first time I read it, I, I looked at it and I thought, well, I just define it in my own mind as balance. It's, you know, I'm going to be moderate. I'm not going to overdo here or overdo there. But when you actually study the word and look it up and find out the Greek uh, context of it, what I found out was that I was wrong. You ever find out you're wrong? And you say, I got to change the way I think about this. And, and so I began to look at this and study it. And, and what it means is to actually be gentle, to be kind, to show benevolence to people. Now, what does he tell us to do? He says, he says in this verse, let your moderation or your benevolence or your kindness or your gentleness be known to who? Who are you supposed to let them know? He says, unto all men. Now, how are you doing there? Do you ever get upset with people? you ever have difficulty showing kindness? Um, look in your Bibles to Luke chapter uh, 10. Luke chapter 10. It really has some great significance when we think about this. In Luke chapter 10, I want you to look at verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, talking about Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26. He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? Verse 27. And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. According to the law. You know, all the law is fulfilled in two, two things. Jesus said, love God and what? Love your neighbor. Now, this man was trying to justify himself and he was trying to to trip Jesus up so notice what happens it says in verse 29 but he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus and who is my neighbor and Jesus answered answering said a certain man went down from Jericho from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed leaving him half dead and by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the same at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now, a priest and a Levite, men who know the law, men who are supposed to be following the law, and Jesus is using them in the illustration, and he says they came and they passed by. But a certain Samaritan, now this is, this is a, a racial term. Samaritans were half Jews. 
And you remember the disciples were surprised when Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. They would walk around Samaria because of prejudice. And he said, there was a Samaritan. Here's this man, the Samaritan. As he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now I want you to underline, if you, or at least note that word. He had what? Compassion. You know what compassion is? It's benevolence. You know what compassion is? It's kindness. You know what compassion is? It's what all men should see from you. They should see compassion from you. You ought to have compassion for everyone, no matter what their situation is. Now notice what happens. He said he had compassion on him. Verse 34, and went to him and bound up his wounds and poured in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will pay thee, repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves. Notice his response. And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Who's your neighbor? Who should you be showing compassion on? You, you stop and think about this. You need to practice benevolence. And that means on everyone. Everyone needs some compassion. Everyone needs to see Jesus in you. Everyone needs to know that you care. And so we need to, it needs to be a habit of us when we see somebody in need, not to pass by and say, well, somebody else will take care of them. But to say, you know, I need to stop and see what's going on. I need to see if I can help. I need to be the person that's there for them. I need to be that person. We need to, and it needs to be something that we don't have to, we don't have to think twice about it, but rather it's in our, it's in our character, it's in our life that there's a person in need. I need to help them. I need to see if I can help them. I need to see what I can do. You stop and think about that. He said, why did, why? Look back at Philippians chapter four. He said, let your moderation be known unto all men, then he puts this in there. The Lord is at hand. Now, that doesn't mean the Lord's going to come back pretty soon. You know what it means? It means that the Lord knows what you're doing. He knows, he knows what you're thinking. He knows how you're acting. He's right there. You can't get away from him. He's at hand. And because he's at hand, you need to show love. You need to show kindness. You need to be the person that makes the difference. You stop and think about that. That takes some sanctification on our part. We need to grow. We need to put off the old and put on the new. We need to let God work in our lives. But then, then you have the next thing. So, so what are we going to do? We're going to praise always. We're going to practice benevolence. And then we come to verse 6. And that's been your theme uh, verse here. And so you all know it. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, don't, don't raise your hand, but you could say, oh me or oh my. How many of you worry? <laughs> you know, you worry about things instead of pray about them. 
And he says, instead of worrying, instead of being all upset, instead of getting, bring God into it. Pray about it. You know, you stop and think about what is important. Well, it's important that I pray. And how do I pray and what should I pray for? And you know, the reality is you ought to pray about everything. Every little thing. We, uh, we had a water leak at the church um, last week. They called, the city called and said, uh, um, it, it appears that you're, you're using a lot of water. And so um, a couple of the men went through the whole church to see if they could find any place where it was leaking. They didn't find anything leaking. So then the city came out and they, they walked along with a sound thing trying to see if they could find out where it was. And they said, yeah, it seems like it's right here. We can hear the water rushing. And so that was last week. This is an emergency. You're using too much water. They got to us um, on the next, this, this week. They, they told us last week. They got to us this week. And so they're, they're digging they're digging and digging, trying to find this leak. They can't find it. It's there someplace. And they dug all day on Thursday. They called me, finally they called and said, Pastor, you remember where, do you remember where the water line is? And I said, well, I think it's here. Let's look at the, the, the blueprints. So I pulled the, we pulled the old blueprints out, and sure enough, it's supposed to be right here, this other side of the gas line. Well, it wasn't there. Well, then we look at another, another print said, oh, it's on the other side. So we dug there. It wasn't there. They could not find the gas, uh, the, the water line. And that evening, I, we, 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 we have prayer together. And that evening I prayed, Lord, please help them find the water leak. I thought, why didn't I pray at the beginning? Why did I wait till we've dug we, we've dug the thing up. It, it, we got piles of dirt laying everywhere between the parsonage and, and the church. And, and they said, well, wait till the spring to try and fix it, you know, fix the, 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 the landscape. But they, the next day, they found the leak, and they got it turned off. Well, we'd have got it the first day if we'd have prayed about it. Now, maybe they did pray, maybe, some, maybe the pastors prayed, I, but I didn't pray about it, and it's, it tuck, tugged on my heart. You didn't pray about it. How many times have we done things and, and said, oh, man, I should have prayed about this? Or you get yourself in a fix, and then you pray. Isn't it, aren't you glad that God's merciful and he answers when you get in a fix? God is so kind to us and so good to us. So we pray, and he talks about this, pray, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplications are the items I need. That's the things, Lord, I need this. I need you to do this. That's identifying the needs and giving them to God and saying, God, I need you to do this. But then he says with what? Thanksgiving. You know what that is? That's a step of faith. That's thanking God even before you got the answers that he's going to answer. Thank you, Lord, that I can come to you. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to answer this. Thank you that you're working all things together for good. Thank you, Lord. And so we pray consistently. 
we praise always, we practice benevolence, we pray consistently, and then notice verse 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What the Lord showed me there was I need to be peace dependent. I need to be peace dependent. If I don't have the peace of God ruling, if I don't have peace at work in my life, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong in my relationship. There's with either with people or with God. I've got a problem. I need to be peace dependent. And that's what he says. And, and you notice, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. It's a peace that you can't explain, but it's from God. And if I don't have it, I got to back up and say, well, I didn't pray about it. Or I'm not praying right about it or I'm not turning it over to God, or I'm not submitting it to God. I'm doing something that needs to be handled. Did uh, Jesus have trouble giving some things over to God? Everybody said, no. Well, wait a minute. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. You know what he's asking God to do? Adjust the plan for the cross, right? If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he added this. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And if you and I are going to pray aright, we have to finally come back and submit our will to God's will. And the peace of God will take over if we'll submit our will to God's will and say, God, I want you to do this. Why aren't you doing this? And then finally you come and say, God, this is what I'd like you to do, but you know what's best. I want you to do what's best. Have your will in my life. I need to be peace dependent. And then I want you to notice verse, uh, verse 8. Finally, brethren... Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And you should put in there ponder encouragement. Ponder. That means to think about. Ponder. When you ponder something, you roll it over and over again. You keep thinking about it. And so your thought life should not be on the negative, but it should be on the positive. Ponder what is encouraging. And if you look at that list. Now, the reality is I could preach a whole message on that verse and give you several weeks. Because the list is so positively encompassing. And because of time, I'm just going to say you need to do a word study and you need to start doing something in this area because most of us are more prone to think negative than we are to be encouraging and positive. It's easy to be negative. It's godlike to be positive. Are you godly? This is what he says. Think on these things. What things? The things that are true. You know what? God wants you to think on what's true. You know what the devil wants you to believe? A lie. He, and he's, he's a master at lying. And if you listen to the news all the time, you start believing the lies. 
you better get into the good news and cleanse your mind and your heart with the word of God. It's so important. Ponder encouragement. And then I want you to notice in the next verse, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. You need to pursue following. He said, the things you've seen me do. He's talking. Paul is saying, you, you've received the truth. You've seen me live the truth. You've done this. Now follow. And so we need to pursue following the right example and doing what's right. Pursue doing. Pursue following. And I, I, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but it fits for me because I wanted to remember them. And so you'll notice A, B, C, D, E, F. And last is G. All of them start with P, but you go down through the alphabet and you say, okay, so what was verse 9? Oh, that was pursue following. But then there's another thing in, in verse 9. And th- we're going to end with this. He says, and the God of peace shall be with you. There's a presence. God's presence is guaranteed. God's presence is guaranteed. There's a promise, a guarantee for you. If you'll practice these things, you'll live a purposeful life that glorifies God. Simple habits. You could take this little seven points and start meditating on them and saying, God, help me to apply this to my life. Because I want your presence as a guarantee in my life. In his presence, Psalm 16, is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so prone to be pressed into the world's mold. And you've instructed us to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, would you help us, even as we're gathered here this night, to determine that we want to live a life that pleases you, that we want to have peace that passes all understanding, keeping our hearts and our minds. Lord, we want to have habits of life that are pleasing to you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight, every one of us, to look at this scripture passage and ask you to put your convicting power on our heart on the thing that we need to work on on the command that you've given us that we're, we're struggling with, on the area of our heart and life that is giving us difficulty. Lord, help us to surrender to you. Help each one of us here to know that with you as our Savior and your Holy Spirit living in us, we have everything that we need to be at peace to live life in your strength and to let you be glorified. Have your way. 
and we'll thank you for it. With your heads bowed before we have our closing hymn, I wonder if there's anyone here tonight that you say, oh, all, all this all sounds so good, Pastor Neighbors, but I just don't know how I could ever do any of this. Well, I want to assure you, you can't without Jesus Christ. You need him as your Savior if you don't know him. But if you know him as your Savior, he's given you everything that you need. Everything. He's put the Holy Spirit in you. And when you start surrendering and submitting to the Holy Spirit's direction, and you start meditating on the Word of God, then he will do a work that will amaze you. Is there anybody here tonight that would say, Pastor, I, I don't know Jesus as my Savior, but I sure need a better way of living. I want to live on purpose for the Lord. And you would just slip your hand up and say, pray for me. I don't know the Lord as my Savior. I wonder how many of you here say, I do know the Lord as my Savior, but the Holy Spirit has placed his finger on something in this passage that needs to be worked on in my life. And by God's grace, I'm going to submit to his direction. I'm going to let him have his way. Would you just slip your hand up and say, God spoke to my heart. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God spoke to my heart tonight. I want to let him have his way. Father, thank you. I pray that you would especially bless those that have acknowledged that you have been working in their heart tonight. Lord, I believe everybody here has allowed you to speak to them. I pray that you would help us to apply the word and you especially help us to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.